Thanks for listening to the weekly teaching podcast for City Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is our desire to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. If you live here in Knoxville or are ever visiting the area, we'd love to have you with us at one of our Sunday gatherings. You can find out more at citychurchknox.com. If you're interested in giving financially to help us reach more people in our city, you can give easily at citychurchknox.com give. And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at info at citychurchknox.com. With that being said, here's this week's teaching. Well, good morning, church fam. Hope you're doing well today. My name is Marcus, and I am one of the pastors here at City Church. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 1 Peter 5, 6 through 10. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 10. So we are closing out our First Peter series today, and it has definitely been a journey, but I'm glad that we have been able to, to finish through this book of the Bible. So now, if this is your first time joining us today, I would like to say first, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And also, if you get a chance, go ahead and bookmark the series for the future. Now, to kind of give you an overview of what Peter is trying to go for, the big idea of this book is that that we are exiles and and we are uh, called to live as a distinct, influential presence in the here and now. Now, what Peter is going to do today is he's going to give us some points on what it will look like to actually last as an exile here. Because we don't want to just uh, be all talk, right? We don't want to just talk about it. We actually want to be about it. And so Peter is going to give us a little encouragement today. So if you're in the room and you need some encouragement today, I pray that this helps you. So starting in verse 6, it goes like this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So Peter kicks us off uh, by telling us that that we need to do as the great prophet Kendrick Lamar once told us, to be humble and to sit down. And that we need to do so under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt us. Now, Peter doesn't even finish his sentence before telling us exactly how to show this type of humility. He says that the, the way that you test your humility is by casting all of your anxieties on the Lord. Somebody in the household say all for me. Now, as a reminder, the anxieties the people that Peter is talking to uh, experience were, were things like being excluded, being maligned, being persecuted, even being killed for their faith. So they were experiencing some serious anxiety. And so if, if God can say Uh, that they can cast that level of anxiety on him. Surely, surely you and I can cast our anxieties on him as well. So what better test? What better test is there than giving the thing that we worry most about, by, by giving the thing that keeps us up at night, by giving the thing that we constantly go back to and fro in our minds about, to the one person who can take all of that anxiety on himself. Well, that someone Peter says to give it to is God. And he is not only saying, give it to God. No, he's saying to cast it onto God. Somebody say, cast for me. See, Peter says to to cast all our anxieties on the Lord. Now, when Peter talks about casting our anxieties on the Lord, what he is meaning here is to to throw our anxieties away from us. 
So, so much uh, uh, like casting a net. Now, we have to remember Peter was a fisherman, so that, that this, is, uh, uh, this is a word picture from his own life. He describes this idea of casting our net. So how do we do this? How do we cast our anxieties? Well, pastor and theologian Charles Spurgeon had a timely word uh, of wisdom on this by saying, this work of casting can be so difficult that we need to use two hands to do it, the hand of prayer and the hand of faith. Prayer tells us, uh, tells God what the care is and asks God to help while faith believes that God can and will do it. Prayer spreads the letter of trouble and grief before the Lord and opens L its budget. And then faith cries, I believe that God cares and cares for me. I believe that he will bring me out of my distress and make it promote his own glory. Now, some of you uh, uh, might be like, well, I understand this, hair, uh, this hand of prayer joint, right? But, but what is this hand of faith stuff you're talking about, Marcus? Like, maybe, maybe you pray your anxieties, probably even constantly and consistently, but you may not exhibit the faith that God actually can and will handle it for some, for some reason or another, right? Now, on the flip, some of you have the hand of faith, but not the hand of prayer. You are the first person to encourage and say, God cares for you, you know? You, you know the truth to speak when it comes to how God can handle your anxiety, but you never actually participate in the process of praying through your anxiety and actually giving it over to the Lord. But here's the thing, you need both. You, you need to spend regular time praying through your anxieties, and functionally, you need to also believe that God can handle them. So, so Peter says that this is what humility looks like in practice, that we would cast our cares and worries on the Lord, no matter how big or how small. And then he tells us why we should, why we should give our anxieties to God, because he cares for you, because he cares for you, that the God of the universe who has mighty hands, who, who has all the power, who is all-knowing, who is all-seeing, is the same God who cares for you. In the video game world, that's, that is called a cheat code. Now, a cheat code for my non-video uh, game playing brothers and sisters is a literal code that you kind of put into a game that allows you to access things you wouldn't have normally been able to access. So that could be power, that could be a hidden level, that could be a swanky new outfit. I mean, we all want swanky outfits, right? So God is a literal cheat code when it comes to anxiety. In Psalm 46.1, it says this, it says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in time of trouble. So the psalmist here, he says, God is the place that we can hide, where we can find shelter and where we can find safety and also where we can find strength. But not only that, not only that, he is also always ready. Somebody say the word always. He is always ready to help you when you are in trouble. When anxiety looms, God is there to help you. The King James Version says it like this. He is a very present help in the time of trouble. 
I'm sure many of y'all didn't think we were going to use King Jimmy on you, but we did. How, how do we know that God is a present help in the time of trouble, you may ask? Because God is not only in times, he's not only there in times of trouble, but God was also in there during times of calm. Can I tell you, God doesn't just show up when trouble arises. God was there when everything was going good. God was there when your health was good. God was there when all was going well. God was there when your finances were doing well. God was there when there were no enemies surrounding you. God was there before COVID-19. God was there, family. And now that things have taken a turn, do you know who's still there? Do you know who is still there? Can I get an amen? God is still present. He is still there. He, he's ready to help you. Yes, you. And all you and I need to do is cast our anxieties on him. He, he wants to know everything you are anxious about. Everything that worries you and true humility is shown by our ability to cast all our anxieties on the Lord. To cast all of our anxieties and not try to take it back. But that's easier said than done, right? See, see when anxiety strikes us, we typically try to fix it ourselves. We, we, uh, see, pride says, I can do it, God. Pride says, I can actually handle this. Let, let me figure this out. Pride says, only I can handle this hardship. Only I can handle this pain. Only I can fix this job situation. Only I can fix my marriage. Only I, only I, only I can control what is happening to me. But true humility says, while I may want to fix this situation, while I may feel like I have to fix this situation, while I, I may feel cornered to fix this situation myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to actually rest in the creator who said I should cast all of my anxieties onto him. I'm going to rest in the God who can take care of these matters. See, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray to my God to my refuge, to my strength for help. Put it another way, pride, whether we believe it or not, says that I am mightier than God. And Peter is saying, no fam, you are not. You need to be under the mighty hand of God. Now, with that being said, I want us to take some time to get practical on this. First, what, what are the most consistent anxieties in your life currently? What anxieties are you wrestling with now? What keeps you up at night? What is the thing that has you feeling out of control? I want you to go ahead and, and pause this teaching and take some time to actually answer that now. What are the most consistent anxieties in your life right now? Second, what, what is your plan to cast those anxieties onto the Lord because he cares for you. With this one, I, I want you to get real practical. If you need to set an alarm to go off so you can remember to cast your anxiety uh, on the Lord, I want you to do that. If, if, if you want people in your life group to pray for you, 
head over to GroupMe right now. Ask them right now. You're not in a life group? Text your friends, text your family right now. Call them right now. So again, press pause, take some time to to answer this question, to, to practically do those things. What is your plan to cast those anxieties onto the Lord because he cares for you? So next, Peter is going to talk about what seems like a totally different subject, but I don't think it actually is. More on that in a few. Verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So Peter tells us uh, to be watchful because the devil, our adversary, is seeking someone to devour. And, and make no mistake about it, church fam, that someone is you. The devil is real, and I, and I know that we know that, right? Like, we know that. But, but the way Peter is depicting him probably seems a little bit more real than we actually would like to acknowledge in our everyday lives. See, in order to be an exile in this world, in order to be an exile in the here and now, in order to carry out all the things that we have talked about in weeks past, we will need to do the very thing that Peter says in verse 9, and that is to resist the devil firm in our faith. And as a community, we must also resist the devil in his accusation and lies. See, if we are unified as a family, we we can help fight spiritual warfare a whole lot easier. As we say around here at City Church, it is easier to do life together than to do life by ourselves. And that same tone, that same idea holds true when it comes to fighting the devil. Now, can, can I let you in on a little secret, if, if you don't already know this? The devil is out to get you and yours. He, and he's not just out to get you by drugs, sex, and rock and roll. He, he's a little bit more crafty than that, fam. All, all you have to do is ask Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. See, the Bible consistently says that the devil is not an idiot. He, he prowls like a lion waiting to devour you. If you ever see a lion on the planet Earth docks, you'll, you'll notice that they are very patient and wait for the kill. And when they strike, they don't often miss. So Peter says, hey, I need you to be serious. I need you to be very serious about this. You will need to resist the devil and his schemes. Because his schemes are centered on tearing you away from the very faith that you and I claim to have in Jesus. It's it's centered on you not being an exile and not being an example of Christ. See, his goal is to chip away, is to, to erode away little by little the very faith that we say we have in Jesus. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters that kind of sort of hints at this idea of Satan and his cronies uh, being crafty. Uh, and so I just want to be able to give you a couple of those. Uh, we'll start with the first one. It says, it is funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. So just in case you missed it, he's saying that that many believe that the devil puts images and other things in our minds to tempt us to go in the wrong direction. And to a degree, yes, that, that, 
That can and is true, but ultimately, the goal is is not for you to, to sin in the obvious ways. The goal is for you to slowly drive a wedge between you and the thing that will keep you from from those temptations and from those sins, like reading the word, being in prayer, practicing silence and solitude. And, and, and really, those things kind of sets us up for this next quote. He, he says, he calls the devil's realm a, a kingdom of noise and claims we will make the whole universe a noise in the end. So what he's saying is, is that one of the ways Satan works is just by surrounding us, surrounding us with constant noise all the time so that we never stop long enough to do the things that we mentioned. We never stop long enough to, to actually read the word and truly read it. We never stop long enough to pray. We never stop long enough to, to pause and to reflect and to ask hard questions of ourselves. See, one of the, the devil's favorite methods is to distract you. Some would say that that's actually his primary method. And make no mistake about it, sin is creeping at the door, fam. And if we're not aware of our patterns, if we're not aware of our uh, various temptations, we will not resist the devil. We just won't. He will just keep exploiting all of that. He will just keep exploiting all of that that's in you. We will continue to fall in the devil's schemes. We will continue to fall in the trap of distraction. So how do we not fall in the trap of distraction? Because I'm sure we are all tired of how sin can have such a grip on us, right? Well, luckily, Peter hit us with the answer at the top, right? He says, being on guard will require us to be both sober-minded and watchful. Now, here's the thing. When, when you are sober-minded and watchful, you're being very sensible. You, you don't lead with your emotions. You have an acute uh, perception of, uh, of or a responsiveness towards something. And in this case, we're talking about the schemes of the devil. So uh, let me hit you with a few examples to kind of help flesh this out for you. Let's imagine it's, uh, it's payday Friday and you are really wanting to get that thing, you know, you know that thing, uh, that, that you've been wanting for a while. But you're also aware that, that you are, have been in a season of discontentment. Now, Being sober-minded, being watchful means, hey, I am aware of what's going on inside of me. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to fight against that discontentment and not fall in that that trap of distraction. So practically, what that looks like is, is not getting on Amazon or your choice of store, right, and having a shopping spree. Because that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to find your happiness in this. He wants you to go in that direction because the more you go in this direction, the more you you go towards Amazon, the more you go towards all of that while you're in discontentment is the less time you'll spend with the Lord. It's the less time that you will read the word. It's the less time that you will pray. I'll give you another example. Uh, This is a little bit more prevalent in our day and age. So, Let's say someone on your social feed says something incredibly stupid. I'm sure that's not real for none of us. 
Seems, it it kind of seems to be the trend, though, right? Uh, well, being sober-minded means not going down the rabbit hole that social media tries to create. It's about not taking the bait and instead actually praying for that person or people during the whole time. And actually also praying for yourself during those moments, right? Because it's so easy to just want to, like, type a little something. And if you know them personally, it means talking to them face-to-face to get a better understanding of what they were actually trying to say and being able to calmly explain your side of things as well. See, when you are sober-minded and watchful, you are, again, aware of your tendencies, but you also are aware of, your ten- of the tendencies of your community. See, when we say church is a family, we mean it uh, in this instance as well. As a family, we are called to fight this fight together. And what that looks like is being sober-minded and watchful and knowing uh, our brothers' and sisters' temptations and sins and being prayed up for them. Asking the Lord to to watch over them. It it looks like us checking in on them and asking hard questions to, to help them see where they might be off in hopes that they may repent and turn towards Jesus. I'll say it this way. Have you ever noticed the pattern of a lion on those planet Earth docks we just talked about earlier? See, when there is a herd uh, of enter your choice of prey here, uh, their goal is isolation. They're not trying to mess with everybody. See, even when they travel in a pack, their goal is not to, uh, their goal is to figure out how to snag just one of them. And if they can, if they can do that, they're good. See, what I'm trying to say is that if you are about to go outside and notice a lion prying around, prowling around, is it better to go outside by yourself or is it better to squad up? Right? Like, is it better to go outside and face this lion by yourself or is it better to call your people, to call your community, to ask for help, to ask for prayer? Which is better? I would argue that community is better. So the question for us is, is this, uh, uh, are we actively praying on behalf of our brothers and sisters when it comes to the advances of the devil? Are we being sober-minded and watchful, not just for us, but also for them? Because as Peter says, our brothers and sisters are experiencing these same kinds of sufferings because the devil is seeking to devour. So, Next, Peter is going to close us out with, the next, uh, with these few verses, starting in verse 10. It says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. When it comes to suffering in this type of way, where, where you are being bombarded by the devil's schemes to, to sin and to not tune in with the Lord. It can be very easy to give up on hope. It can be very easy to be like, there's no way out. Because see, the the devil doesn't take off, fam. There is no off day. There is no holiday for the devil. As the devil once said to the Lord, I'm walking to and fro, which basically means I don't rest. So so when the hits keep coming, 
it makes sense for us to be tired. It makes sense for us to be wearied. It makes sense for us to be downtrodden. And Peter knows that. He gets that. So he says, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, amen, is coming to end this. He, he will restore you to who you were meant to be in him. Peter says that this is not going to go on forever. Their story, it doesn't end here. See, God has the final say. When I see uh, the political bickering and, and all of the racial injustice that has been going on in the news this week, I'll be honest with you, it's, it's really hard. Uh, it's really hard to believe that the God of all grace will, will restore things to as they should be. So hear me say, however... Um, you're suffering right now. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy to believe this truth. But if anyone can speak to this truth, it's Peter. He, he understands suffering. And you know who else understands suffering? Jesus. Jesus entered uh, into the world of suffering to redeem mankind from our sinful tendencies and to snatch us out of the clutches of the devil. And it wasn't a walk in the park. Sure, he was, he was God in the flesh, but make no mistake about it, his flesh felt all the suffering that was dealt his way. Yet he, he humbled himself perfectly on our behalf. He humbled himself, family. The God of the universe humbled himself on our behalf so that he, uh, so that when he became exalted to the right hand of God, that we would also be exalted with him. See, it's through the resurrection that we can point towards this hope of suffering finally ending. It's, it's this type of hope we need to encourage our brothers and sisters with who are suffering right now to, to help them to see it. We have to do that. We have to encourage them. A lot of times when you are going through suffering, you do not see it. Sometimes you, you can't even speak truth to yourself. This is why we, we call each other to community to be able to do this. And, and one day, family, one day, this, this, all of this suffering, all of this is going to end one day. And I can't wait, can't wait for that day when we get to heaven and all this nonsense is just done. Just all of this is done. Let's pray. Lord, um, First off, thank you so much for um, this series. Thank you so much for how you've worked through, throughout the entire series, Lord. Um, I ask and pray that as we close today that, that we would um, continue to, to, to look forward and, and to see that we are exiles in this world, Lord. That we are exiles and that that we are called to be 
um, distinct and influential to the people around us, Lord. I pray that that we would uh, remember the things that we would need to remember, and Lord, the things that we would forget. I pray that we would go back and, and, and check out all these sermons and, and, and try to learn and try to grow as followers of Jesus. Lord, I just pray that, that today that this sermon speaks to people. I pray that it hits in a way that, that runs deep in our souls, Lord. I pray that it encourages those that need to be encouraged. And Lord, I, I can't do this by myself just by speaking it, Lord, but I know that, that you have the power to do this. I know you have the power to change lives, spirit. I know you have the power to move. So Lord, I pray that you move. Pray that you do this. Amen. So that's it, church fam. Uh, we are officially done with First Peter. As exiles, we are we're called to be image bearers of God to a watching world. And, and Peter sets us up to be able to succeed as exiles. So my hope, um, as I said, is that I hope that it's been good for you, um, as it has been for me. And so as Peter says, peace to all of you who are in Christ.